Welcome to the Broadway show Uncut. Some Like It Hot was the most nominated show at this year's Tony Awards and the winner of four. The show is set to play its final performance December 30th. I sat down with one of the stars of Some Like It Hot, Christian Borel. I went and saw the show and I probably saw it last, last year, probably in December or so, maybe okay. January. It just feels good. Like that was one of those shows that you go, okay, Broadway is back. That's great. Broadway is officially back. How's it been for you? It's been a great gift. Uh, we were just talking, the, the shutdown was, um, gave me a lot of perspective. Um, but to be able to just work is lovely. And then for the work to be as joyful and joy bringing as this show has been, has been fantastic. We, we definitely needed it. Um, what are the, what are the, you know, I never, want to go back to the pandemic except that there were some really things that came out of it that I think that we should keep with us. Yes. What was it for you? I think most interestingly the the balance of figuring out um, the show must go on and um, the conversation around mental health and everyone taking care of themselves because that was a discombobulating time yeah. and I think coming back and working as hard as you possibly can and still like being dedicated to a great work, work ethic, but then also, you know, th we've been through a lot. I've been through a lot over the last year and like taking a night to not be a clown. When I was doing Little Shop, I yeah. found myself in the wings with that ridiculous pompadour and I was about to like strut out on stage and act like a total jerk and uh, abuse my girlfriend, Audrey. And I, I was really in a dark place yeah. around someone in my family who was very sick. And I was like, I can't be a clown during the second show. And so I called out and was like, I'm just gonna sit at home and someone else will play that part for a night and that's okay too. Wow, wow. I, I, I do think that those meaningful things, those meaningful conversations, that understanding who we are mm -hmm. definitely came out of this. Mm -hmm. and, and, it's, and it makes us better today, I think, in mm -hmm. whatever the craft is. Um, you know, what you do, and I've seen you in so many different roles over the years, but you know, what you do is you bring joy to people regardless of the of the role that you're in but that's not always easy i know that <laughs> <laughs> but it is fun i mean i, I do fun. have to say like in general it is um it has been so light being at, uh, back at the schubert after 18 years spamalot was 18 years ago my dresser meredith and i my friend who's also my dresser we met there and we look at each other uh we were on the fourth floor of the schubert and now we're on the second floor wow and uh I just can't believe it's been 18 years, and now they're reviving Spamalot, yeah. which is so sobering. Um, <laughs> but yeah, we the Schubert has such incredible, like, historic energy around it anyway. So to be back there and to be doing another Casey Nicholas show, um, that's where we developed our relationship too with Spamalot. Well, that's what I was going to say. You have that relationship already. What is that like to be working together again? It's amazing. It's yeah. been. We have developed over the last 18 years a great shorthand, um, and we trust each other. And he, he does, he lets me get away with murder on stage, but he's also very good at telling me like, that might not serve what you want the best. So maybe rein it in a little bit this way, that way. Um, he's a great editor in that way. You've brought a lot to that show though yourself, right? Mm-hmm. You wanna talk about it? <laughs> uh, sure, well, it's been a really interesting, I've always, uh, over the last several years, I've been confident enough to talk to directors and writers and like if I have a line pitch here and there, you know, every once in a while I'll sneak something in. But, um, you know, the official, my official moniker in this show is additional material by with one of my best friends and my writing partner, Joe Farrell. 
Um, and we were there because of the, the crazy schedule with the pandemic. The production schedule got shifted, and so mm -hmm. Matthew Lopez and Amber Ruffin had to go off and do fancy things. Right. And so um, they basically needed someone clerical in the room for rehearsals. And so we were there kind of just zhuzhing a little bit. Doing your clerical thing? Yes, yes. <laughs> but one of the great... Do you great enjoy that part? Do you enjoy I love it. Okay. I do. I really love it. Um, it's great not just to think about your own character, but yeah. to think about the play as a whole. So there are moments on stage where I will say one of Matthew's lines, I will say one of Amber's lines, and then someone else says something that I wrote. And it's a great, exciting uh, swirl of delight. I always wonder how that feels to hear something that you've actually written being said out loud in a the theater and waiting for the reaction. It is it different great. than? It is different. Yeah. Um, I wrote a line for Natasha who plays Sweet Sue, and she's so good. She is, the, as an actor, like when you have a good line that you don't have to spin at all, it's the greatest gift of all. And not to be immodest, but I wrote a line for Natasha and she just, it's like a home run every single time. And I'm on stage with her and I'm like, here it comes. And it's so <laughs> gratifying. That's mine. Yes. <laughs> not officially, you understand. <laughs> Um, so you've done some directing too, I know. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that, because I, I was excited to see that for you. Is that a direction you want to go in? Or? It is, it is. I, I don't really know what I'm doing, but okay. people have given me the opportunity to... Somebody thinks you do. <laughs> I guess so. No, I'm in, in as much as, you know, I don't have a degree in it, and I don't have like the... the I don't think all of the, the vocabulary that um, a trained uh, director has, but I've been around long enough to know that I like to keep things short, and I like to keep things moderately truthful, um, which is a lesson I learned. We all learned from Mike Nichols. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm working on something now for the 92nd Street Y, which is the Lyrics nice. and Lyricist series. They're gonna do an evening of Howard Ashman lyrics. And for me, it's just like getting five people together, like casting five wonderful people is half the work of directing. And then just, they're gonna be up on stage and I'm gonna, you know, like maybe walk over there. Ah, you're fine there. <laughs> you know what I mean? Go that way. It's all just kind of instinctual. <laughs> um, but really it's about getting good people together and having great designers and having that conversation and trusting your instinct. But you've been them. So you, you, know, mm -hmm. you know what you needed from a director and you know what you've needed from people around you and to, so. to, to help make you, you know, successful in whatever role it's been in. I think so. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, New York. It's changed quite a bit. Feels like it's it's coming back quite a bit too. Um, it does. I'm optimistic about that. Yeah, me too. Are you appreciating anything different about that or the theater? I mean, I feel like you know the show did go on. Um, mm -hmm. I think people have a different appreciation for it all on the on the other side of things. What about you? What are you seeing? What are you hopeful for or looking forward to next? I have a new appreciation for tourists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my patience threshold is a lot higher now. Good. Because we desperately need them. And they're back, and mm -hmm. it's great. Um, it's great to see crowds coming to Broadway. Um, and just getting out of Midtown a lot more after being stuck in Midtown for basically two years mm -hmm. has been really liberating. Um, yeah. It, I, you know, it was a really crazy dark moment when we started up again. Yeah. Yep. And now it feels like people are paying attention to each other a little more. It, mm -hmm. Because we had, I think, understandably, when we were so isolated, if we were lucky enough to be in a safe place, that did something crazy yeah. to us. Um, and so when we were kind of coming out of our shells, we weren't really being nice to each other for a while. 
but now it feels like we are. I think so, too. Do you think that's true? I think so. I do. I do. I see, I see a difference, for sure. I see a deeper appreciation of, of other people, mm -hmm. which I hadn't seen that in a long time, yeah. which is it's nice. What is it about you've learned in the past year or so about that show? Is there things that still surprise you? Are there things you still are adding as you go along <laughs> to keep yourself entertained? And then also where you see the audience, you know, audiences change. They change in what they're interested in or mm -hmm. where they laugh. And, you know, I know that that's always a, another character in the show for you guys. It's true. You know, when you said that you saw it in December, I kind of, my shoulders go up a little bit because we have learned so much since in the last year. Like that was, you know, we did previews and we were doing it in front of audiences, but naturally over the course of a year, shows breathe a little more and you have a better understanding of the character. Like I stand differently even yeah. a year later. Do you I'm, want me to just come back and see it? Is please, that that's okay. my point. Right, Everyone, well, please come back. Will. Anyone who saw it early, <laughs> come back. Um, no, it, you know, uh, the, Figuring out where new laughs are is always a great joy, and the balancing act of not getting hoggish with it. You sure. Know, you don't, people want to get in and out. You don't want to spend two hours and 50 minutes just because you found 28 new laughs. Um, <laughs> but you always have a whimsical thing about you on stage. I mean, I've always thought that since uh, yeah. the first show I, I, I talked to you was. Um, uh, what was your first? Something Rotten? Was that mm -hmm. the first show? That's I when I first been, was introduced to you. Yeah. And I, you just always have kind of a fun, like, people know they're going to be able to laugh when you come out there on stage. Well, I do think there's, my favorite performers, there's an awareness that it's a performance. I mean, you want, yeah. don't want it to be, like, yeah. muggy, or you want it to be truthful, and you want them to be invested. But it is an artificial construct. Yeah. You have to acknowledge that the audience is there. You have to listen to the audience. Um, and also part of the fun, most of the fun of what we get to do is that there's the show behind the show, which is happening in the wings, which is happening in the twinkle in your partner's eye on stage, the inside jokes that happen. And I think even if the audience doesn't know exactly what's going on, that's the kind of energy that um, lifts it to another plane. They feel like they're in on something. Yeah, even if they don't quite know what it is. And it's better <laughs> that they don't. <laughs> A lot of it is not suitable for work. But no, that could be true. a whole other show. <laughs> but actually, that also has changed so dramatically yes, in the last several years. Yes, it in has. In the best way. The way that we all play and the respect that is now paid um, has grown by leaps and bounds. Our understanding of boundaries and yep. what is suitable for work, especially in the theater, because that was a tricky place for, and still is. I came from a newsroom. I Right? That's tricky, tricky. But it's gotten yeah. better. It certainly has. It certainly is an awareness. There's yes. an absolute awareness. We got a ways to go. Yes, we do. Better. Um, you have a fabulous, not a big birthday, a fabulous birthday coming up. <laughs> I do. I'm turning 50 <laughs> at the beginning of October. I already did, so, yeah. you know. But isn't it great? You're a baby. I, I, I like aging. I think it's great. I'm, I, I'm good with it now, right? Uh-huh. I think, what, what, do you, what do you like about it? What do you, it? There's a little bit of a freedom in it all, right? There is. All you young kids, just <laughs> listen to this. But you know, the, the cliche is it's better than the alternative. Yes. Um, I don't know. We also have learned, you tell me whether you find this interesting or not. During the anniversary of 9-11, I was um, in a vet's office mm -hmm. and the TV was showing all the people who died on September 11th. And these fabulous photos of these people, the age, the age ranges were all over the map. But when you look at people from 22 years ago, mm -hmm. kind of frozen in time, mm -hmm. a picture of someone who was like 37, mm -hmm. you're like, that was 30, what 37 looked like yeah. 22 years ago. Yeah. What we have learned over the last 22 years about diet, about exercise, 
about fashion. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I think, you know, I, I'm loath to celebrate anything about social media because I think it's the end of the world. But from social media, we can now see each other more. Mm -hmm. And I think we're more like self-aware, yep. which is a double-edged sword. We're a little more like, there's a lot more preening happening. But I think, you know, what 50 looks like now is different from what it looked like 22 years ago. I could not agree more. Yeah. I couldn't, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm as, I wasn't as afraid of it. I turned 50 during the pandemic. So I'm like, well, I mean, gosh, what's worse? Did I you do anything special? No, I, I, I had, a, I had like a, a secret party because, you know, you weren't supposed to get together with mm -hmm. anybody. So I had like a, a secret party of six. Yeah. Um, but I but I just think that, you know, we did take time to examine our health and see what was important there. But I but I also feel like uh, longevity is a conversation we didn't have before. You know, mm -hmm. we, we said like, oh, your big birthday. What's you know, it's all over after that. And I think if you're lucky enough to get there, you better appreciate every day. Mm -hmm. You better appreciate every day. And also, back to the health question, the mental health conversation, yeah. really truly understanding, kind of removing the stigma around all of that has been uh, helpful for everyone, how we carry ourselves. Too. Is it something you would have been comfortable talking about before when we talked several times before the pandemic? Would you have been comfortable? And we would have never even brought up the mental health before, no, I don't think, right? I don't think, think right? I would have had the vocabulary to talk about it, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and just being around friends and loved ones who, you know, there's a whole gamut of issues and things that people are suffering with or like working on. And, yeah. You know, I think we have a better understanding of it now. It's good to see you. You too. Yeah. God, did this just become about mental health? No, Should we okay. talk about tap dancing? What happened? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm fine with it. Uh, it's okay. That'll be that'll be a little part of of the, of the deeper part of it all. Because you know what, we like to have real conversations. Mm -hmm. On the Max series, and just like that, Nicole Ari Parker plays documentarian Lisa Todd Wexley. But New York audiences can see her in a much different role on stage. Nicole, I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy to see you. Back on the New York stage. I know. I, I have, I'm, I was such a huge fan of your performance in A Streetcar Named Desire on Broadway. You were Thank an you. incredible Blanche Dubois. I've been waiting for you to come back. And, Thank you. you know, Thursday mornings were appointment TV for me. But I'm glad you're back on stage. How do you feel right now? Well, it's kicking my butt. I mean, Streetcar was 10 and a half years ago. Yeah. And, uh, but I'm ready to be maximized and use all of my everything, you know, just, it's what I love so much about theater, that you're in it and you have to bring it all. You are definitely bringing it all. The <laughs> Refugee Plays is actually a three-part oh, yeah. epic family drama. Yes. Talk about, now, so, so there's a hot trend right now of plays going backwards in time because Merrily We Roll Along is back on Broadway. That also goes backwards. Yes. And I know this, this trio of plays, you play, you start as grandma, right? Yes. Your grandma I, in the beginning. I, I'm, a, I'm around 80, 82 years old in the first play, mm -hmm. first act. Second act, I'm around 45. And then in the third act, I'm 18. Wow. I know. And I've, I really wanted to work with Patricia McGregor. She, she, she could have said, do you want to hold a sign in front of a Best Buy that's not there anymore? And I, I would have said yes. <laughs> that's your director. Yeah, she's a very yes. uh, hot, up-and-coming director. Yes, and she's the new artistic director of New York Theatre Workshop. Uh -huh. and, uh, but I saw her um, Ugly Lies the Bone. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. then her Hamlet at the Public. And I, I, I kind of was a stalker. 
um, <laughs> but there was the, you know timing and everything and then this just was perfect you call yourself a theater actress but we haven't seen you that much you, but I, I've stage, seen you say yeah. multiple interviews, you kind of say like, I'm really a theater actress. Well, you know, I came out of Baltimore at 17 years old, got into NYU, started as a journalism major just because it was so, I've always wanted to be an actress, yeah. but I was like, well, I don't want my dad to pay for that tuition and not have a real job. Right. But second semester freshman year, I called him and I was like, dad, I, I auditioned for Tish and I got in and can I switch? And he was like, you know you're entering the business of no, right? And he goes, and you can't give up. You can't give up. You have to have your yes on the inside. And that's what I've done for mm, 40 years. Yeah, but I know you call yourself a theater person. I, I think you spend a lot of time in the audience of theaters as well. I think you really are a part of the community, even though we haven't oh, seen you on stage that I much. I see everything. Everyone's <laughs> like, uh, Nicole, I don't think I can come visit you in New York because I know you're going to take me to see four shows <laughs> in two days. You do marathon oh, trips. Oh, full on. Okay. I go by myself. I drag <laughs> friends, family, kids. <laughs> like, really. Like, they're, like, we're trucking along, going to different shows, matinees. I love that. Getting it all in. I love that. So is it your, is, do you feel like you're, to actually be in a show yes. and to be immersed in a time period in New York City where you're doing theater every night, it must just be sort of the, the highest heights for you. The highest heights. And I just took my daughter to Howard University and my, you know, I'm just having a little, a lot of emotion about that. So to be able to dive in and put all that into something really special makes me makes me feel great. So this is also how you're dealing with, with your daughter. I'm also coping, yes, <laughs> yes. Well, you're digging into a lot. So this is a, a hefty play. Let's talk about this play. Actually, what's the name of the playwright? I don't wanna, I, I, his three names. Oh, Nathan Allen Davis. Nathan Allen Davis. Yes. Okay. So this is a new play by Nathan Allen Davis. Yes. And let's let's dig into it. It's a it's his version of a family drama. I know you're in the woods of Illinois. Yes. Sounds like your character maybe brought the family there. Is that? Well, I can't give away too okay. much. Okay. And I know there's a lot of magical mysticism in the yes, in the play. Yes. It's uh, a play about family. Yes, but it's also like the title about finding refuge. Uh huh. And all of the things that happen to a person in their life, um, the big events, the small events, and how they shape each person and the relationships with each other. And so when you meet this family, they have been deeply entrenched in this house that my character built. Mm. And then we go back in time and see the origin story of that. Mm. Um, She's a real homesteader. Yes. She's a survivor. She kills a bear, is that? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, <laughs> She's one of the last of the frontier women, you know, that really knows how to um, to survive uh -huh. on many levels. You know, we say off the grid as if there was an option. These characters didn't have an option. This was their home. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, people, all people who talk about living in nature and being immersed in, um, you know, the majesty of God's world, mm. Um, there are, there is the ability to feel, to, to have some comfort in trees and the seasons and the animals and that part of us as city dwellers that we just don't, mm -hmm. we don't hold on to. So the mysticism is there, but it seems kind of 
realistic. You hmm. know, it seems possible that you could still um, remember your ancestors very clearly and have them speak to you, that you could talk to the weather and the, and the trees and, and feel a kinship with them. So it's mystical, but it's really grounded. Mm. And um, it's, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. I'm really honored to be a part of it. You have a lot of innate strength to you that I, I've seen you access in a lot of roles. So is that natural to play a woman who can kill a bear and live in the woods? <laughs> my kids might say, oh yeah, my mom can kill a bear. <laughs> they, uh, they, they would have my back on that, but uh, I've never had to. And I don't want to kill any animals. Um, but I am a survivalist, yes. So you don't want to be in like one of those reality shows, I'm a celebrity, get me out of the woods or whatever, you know, those shows where you'd go live in the middle of nowhere. I do like to travel though. I would love to do it, to, to go to remote places, uh -huh. um, you know, try different things, different food, meet different people. What about um, the aging? What about, so you start to play much older. What was it like actually accessing the physicality of of a senior citizen and, and pulling that off. I mean, you get an amazing journey throughout the night. Well, my character's name is Early, and um, you know, when you're a mighty, she's very mighty, and when you're a woman like that or a man like that, you, age is happening, but the fire is still in you. So I, I wanted to honor the process of aging, but I also wanted to keep that, um, spirit that's very still young and alive and um, pushing her along, pulling her along. She might outlive all of them is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, it sounds, sounds like it. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to worry about grandma early. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what has it been like actually getting into the rhythm of your cast and getting into the words? And like I said, it's a, it's a dense text, it's a lot. Yes, the cast is really amazing. Um, and they've worked with Patricia before, so I'm entering okay. a very tight family. The play has been around for a while. It was workshopped, mm -hmm. it was set to- It was supposed to happen before the pandemic. Yes, yeah. at the McCarter, right. my love, yeah. Emily Mann. Um, it was supposed to close her season as the artistic director there. COVID happened and the pandemic and everything, but so I'm entering a group that has a very strong relationship with the material and I'm the new kid on the block, <laughs> but I'm diving right in, yeah. Do you enjoy, I mean, those, those theater families can be tight. Yes, yeah. yes. Is it fun to sort of, does it feel like a little bit like the first day of school for a kid when you enter it an environment like that? It did feel like, like the first yeah. day of school, yes. Yes, and, and, and my character's in all three plays, so yeah. I'm the last one still kind of holding the script. Um, but uh, we're moving along and deepening and so seasoning. So let's, let's talk about your, um, your run in Emily Mann's production of Secret Name Desire. Like I said, it, it was a beautiful staging. Yeah. I, I talk about it all the time. Thank you. And uh, yeah, so I, I love sort of telling people how fantastic you were because you really, I knew your work from film and TV at that point, but you found this whole other aspect of Blanche Dubois that I, I just really fell in love with. What, what was it like having that time with her and now sort of looking back on that time and has she stayed with you at all? Oh, definitely. Um, I think when you play a, a role like Blanche Dubois, you, you're different after. 
she, uh, any really of Tennessee Williams' plays, it's, yeah. you are changed as a human and an artist. And I felt like um, very privileged to, to be able to do that um, and be the first African-American woman mm -hmm. to play her on Broadway. Yeah. That, was, that was really special to me. So yeah, she stayed with me. I do have to give credit to my acting teacher from, from back in the day, and I still go to his classes when they're in session, Tony Greco. He was uh, our teacher um, at Circle in the Square. Mm -hmm. That doesn't exist anymore. That studio doesn't exist at right. NYU anymore. Um, and, you know, there's show business and not necessarily show art, but he really inspires us to stay with the craft of it and the art of it. And I was able finally to put all of that stuff that I learned into the role. And um, I learned so much. And now I'm using it all over again. <laughs> right. So I know you grew up in Maryland. Your parents were not in show business. No, my dad's a dentist. <laughs> Very, very regular civilians, yes, as my, as my yes, friend says. Yes, yes. <laughs> and you sort of, it seems like you discovered the arts in school and you ended up winning like a Best Actress in Maryland award for... for oh, wow, you went all the way what, back! And you were in the Mad Woman of Chalet, oh, right? Chayot. Chayot. I can't, I didn't take French, I took Spanish. The Mad Woman of Chayot, right? You know, my drama teacher at my school when I was a kid, uh, she used to say, you know, you got something, you know, Anne Manolfi. Uh, we all have that one teacher, mm. you know, and um, she said, I think you should audition for the school play. And I got the lead. And then in Maryland, there was some kind of contest showcase thing. And I won Best Actress in the state of Maryland. I was like 16. <laughs> and I was so proud of it. But, you know, I came out the womb kind of with, you know, jazz hands. Uh -huh. and, and <laughs> And, uh, but God didn't give me a singing voice, so there's that part. Um, so yeah, I, um, I've always been a drama student, even when I wasn't a drama student. Yeah. I just, it's in my bones, you know, I love, I also love the idea of all these strangers coming together for two and a half hours mm. and going on a journey together. And I love being a part of that, especially in our world right now where everything's yeah. so disjointed, mm -hmm. you know? Because at the end of the day, everyone has a family, whether it's broken, whether it's healed, whether it's full of uh, pain and, and full of glory. There, there's a place where we're all the same. And I, I love that. I love that, that um, everybody's got a grandma <laughs> that, that tells it like it is or doesn't tell it like it uh -huh. is or, you know, I, I love taking that journey of, um, of, of what we all experience. It's the one thing that can't be met. It's the one thing that can't be met about the theater experience, right? The, yeah. All these people coming together and experiencing the story together. It's just. It's like what musicians say sometimes, you know, they're like, yeah, I love studio. I love recording, but it's nothing like touring. And the people are there mm -hmm. and Every night, we're in our third preview tonight, and I, um, it's, each audience has a different response, whether it's the matinee audience, or the night audience, or an older audience, or a younger audience. You hear what people respond to. And it's very diverse, you know? The roundabout has a 
incredible diverse mm -hmm. subscriber group and um, you know people that don't look like us are there in the audience and they go on that ride with us because it's it's the truth you know that we all go through do you get stage fright only when uh, I'm not off book <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I love it. I, um, I love that it's happening in real time. Mm -hmm. So I, I use that as a comfort. I don't, I don't get too scared. You get to celebrate your birthday on, uh, while you're on I know, the stage. pretty much so opening night. We open October 4th and my birthday's what October What a birthday 7th. gift for you. I know. I know. It's really, it's really great. Well, welcome back and happy birthday. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's going to do it for the Broadway show on Cut. We're going to be back next week with another good one. Till then, I'm Tamsin Fidel.